0: hey everyone welcome back to reality 101 i'm dr molly and i'm dr rule welcome back um all of our students of reality tv we are here with our very first episode um covering married at first sight nashville season 16 on lifetime um we're going to be covering all three of the wedding episodes in this one episode. Um, again, this is a free episode and Married at First Sight with ads will always be free and available to you wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but if you do wanna listen ad-free or you wanna join our 90 Day Fiance community and listen to us talk about 90 Day Fiance the other way, debuting on January 29th, you can also purchase those episodes as part of our um, one of our uh, Patreon tiers. Right now we have three tiers. I just wanna tell you all about this really quickly. We have um, a general support um, tier that is uh, for just folks who wanna support black and indigenous public scholarship, no strings attached. You don't get anything back for this, just knowing that you're supporting our scholarship. Shouldn't that be enough for a dollar a month? I think so. (laughs) And it's only a dollar. Um, And then we also have our lecture tier. Um, Those are for people who are bothered to show up to class, who may or may not be sleeping. Definitely leave 10 minutes early. Those of y'all who just want to listen at your leisure, don't want advertisements, don't want to hear us pretending to be excited about things that we haven't tried. Just kidding. That'll be edited out. Um, And then we also have a seminar tier. um, That's $5 a month. It's for those who prefer more intimate conversations. You can eat your stinky lunch. You've done all the reading. You have questions. You want to stay after class to talk to us. um, And you're just interested in what we have to say. That's ad free. You're going to get access to recommended monthly readings and other bonus material. And then finally, we have our office hours tier for $10 a month. And that's for those people who arrive five minutes early to office hours every week. They overstay their welcome to pick our brain. But you know, we love it. And we love it because you're paying $10 a month for it. And we're willing to do it. So if you have questions you want to pose to us or things you want us to watch or talk to us about, that's included in that tier as well as, again, all of the other things I mentioned. So the monthly recommended readings, the ad-free episodes, and other bonus content. So we're also available on social media.
1: Yes, so you can follow us. That's going to be Reality 101, R-L-T-Y 101, um, on Twitter, Twitter. TikTok and Instagram, give us a follow, let us know what you think about our episodes, tune into some of the polls we're gonna be doing. Of course, there are going to be tons of memes um, surrounding this very exciting world of reality TV. And I just want to say, too, that as professors, you know, we are very familiar with all of these students, right, the ones that are sleeping in the back, the ones that maybe don't show up to class, and the ones that are, you know, in office hours every week. And we love and support all of you. We know that you have different ways of learning, different capacities for engagement, and just like the classroom, all of those are welcome here.
0: We absolutely are. Thank you for saying that. Um, So let's get into this new season. Super excited, Um, spending way too much time watching this. Um, I know the semester has started for me because my um, reality TV binging goes up. So I know I'm actively trying to get away from actual work, Um, but I'm glad that I get to engage in this type of labor with you. So um, yeah, we're in Nashville. I haven't spent a lot of time in Nashville, but I'm a little familiar with some of these like
1: the sensibilities of these folks. What about you?
0: Yeah, I also
1: have actually never been to Nashville, which is crazy because I love to travel. Um, I've been sort of all over the country and world, but Nashville, it just hasn't happened for me. Maybe it's because I haven't been to that many bachelorette parties and it is the bachelorette capital. I don't know, but I've never made my way to Music City, Um, but I'm excited to get to know it through the season. And I think something that is interesting, though, is that like D.C., where we are both based, um, it has a very large transient community, people who come from other places for work, people who don't stay that long once they're there. And, of course, that interferes with people's ability to date and find a lasting relationship, which, of course, all of our cast members this season are dealing with.
0: Yeah, of course. And I do have to say that I think this is going to be an interesting episode. We have, you know, usually I feel like the racial breakdown. Or make up rather. It's not representative of the US of A. But I think this potentially could be very representative of Nashville. Um, right? Like we have at least one interracial cup. We have one interracial couple this season. That's something that meredith at First just really started doing. Um, I think with the Atlanta season. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so yeah, we have our weddings, we have an opportunity to meet um all of the families and kind of start to get a feel for who these people are going to be, but also y'all how they're going to start framing each of these couples. Right. So we can talk about how we can already see the villains and the Dylan edits coming out. And it's sprinkled in with classic Married at First Sight, we're watching this again shit. So I'm like, how many times do I have to watch someone say, can you unzip my dress? I can't reach it. Or them like, oh my God, I've never had rose petals on my bed before. Like these are just sound bites from every single season. So it's a little new. Um, a lot of old, but obviously enough to make us sit and watch it for <laughs> two hours every single week. If
1: these are the gems and these are why you come, please be reassured that they are also in season 16. <laughs> <laughs> they're there. Exactly. Um,
0: so Dr. Rule, should we just jump in and let's start with, uh, Gina and Clint's. Okay. Cause okay. I think they're going to get a lot of airtime this season. I personally, like, well, let's just talk about Clint. Clint is what, 40-year-old who um, feels like it's really necessary that we know that
1: he's had sex with 65 people. Um, awesome. Big brag. That he, he is seeking a first mate. and. One of my favorite things about Married at First Sight are the bylines or the taglines that people get. Really, actually, this is one of my favorite things about reality TV, because it's also true in the Housewives intro section. So Clint is 40 and he is seeking a first mate, obviously a reference to him being a sailor. And he really likes people to know that he sails all around the world, including in Italy. That is a very cool pastime, um, but also, I think, gives us a lot of insight into who he is. And in fact, that's actually his dominant characteristic for me right now. What does he do for work? Listen, all I heard when he was talking, I was like, this is the whitest thing I've ever
0: heard. This is the whitest thing I've ever heard, right? I like to sail for fun. I'm like, okay, go ahead and signpost
1: your class for us. And he's like, I'm a fourth generation sailor or whatever he said. <laughs> And it's not just that I sail for fun. It's this is part of my family legacy. We have monogram towels you now on our boats, sort of. Yeah. Um. But but right. I mean, I think it's interesting out the gate that. I don't remember what this man does for his employment. Whereas with Gina, I know exactly what she does. And also that, um, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but there's that scene where they're sitting at their wedding reception and he gets, you know, irritated. Maybe it's the cut and the drama that comes with the cut, but seemingly irritated with her talking all about her work. And that's contrasted with him talking all about his luxury and recreation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen there?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's other dichotomies, like she's a hairdresser and he has the driest hair I've ever seen on a human. Um, But (laughs) but they both live in 515 or 505, some high rise in downtown. So they did signal there that like I'm like, okay, like we see what y'all are doing here. We see what's going on.
1: And that was that was really interesting, right? Like there's definitely this immediate recognition that, okay, maybe we are actually on the same page as far as our socioeconomic backgrounds, our class positionalities, and I'm getting the sense from the people involved that that is a very important factor, at least to Clint um, and his friends and family circle.
0: Yeah. So what about Gina? So Gina is 35. She is a manager and owner of a salon. And we learned that she just opened what 2,500 or 2,600 kind of extension of the salon. So like you said, like we have details about her business. And I mean, I think it's clear that he was annoyed with her type of professional prowess, right? But that also crystallizes, right? Dating today. And this idea of it's like, well, I want, you know, I want a teammate. I want a first mate. I want us to be a power couple, but then, you know, I'm going to get mad if she also wants to have children, you know, like, why
1: can't you have several full-time jobs? I'm like, oh, oi, oi. And that's, that's actually such a good, important detail that I hadn't even thought about, but right. A first mate is not a co-captain. Um, and maybe it was just catchy, but I have a sneaking suspicion that this is going to play out in a really important way in their relationship. Gina is tagged as being spontaneous, styling, and slaying. Um, and again, I think the really interesting part here is that spontaneous is used as her first descriptor, um, obviously as sort of a match and counterpoint to Clint's you know, need and desire for adventure. Um, but it's it seems to me that Gina is fun, that she is adventurous, that she's going to be with Clint on this sort of journey, but that also her work is perhaps the most important thing in her life right now um, and what she's going on. So it's just interesting that that is, you know, included later in her description and more of this availability for Clint's recreation is signaled up front as her dominant descriptor.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, she's hyper aware of that, even though she tries to not let it on, right? So when she's with her friends, she's, you know, constantly mentioned like, I'm 35, you know, or like, kind of like the, well, when is this going to happen? Or I was in a really serious relationship. And I thought that was it, right? Like signaling to this type of heartbreak. Whereas when we see him, when he's doing his tuck shopping and all his white dude friends, are like sitting on the couch, drinking scotch. It's clear that he's like the bachelor in the group who just hasn't gotten married yet. Right. And they're like sick of him fifth wheeling on their sailing trips. And, but it doesn't seem like all of her friends, (laughs) poor Dr. Rose was like listening to my cheesy jokes you guys but (laughs) but yeah no you know she's kind of Gina's used to being dominant being rewarded um for these characteristics that are typically associated with being masculine right Right. and so that's I think that's going to be what they're setting up for us in the edit is what how are we how is she going to deal with that and how is he going to deal with someone who's just like you know what like I don't want to stay at home every day and by the way like no my family does not have a vacation home in Vermont you know so Mm -hmm
1: right i mean she's definitely being cast as the leader in her circle right like the people surrounding her are her coworkers like her staff um that you know she has this this merger between her personal life and her professional life and i think that's that's natural and normal if you're passionate about what you do and you extend you know your your interests into a workable um, situation, right? Like if you merge your interests with labor, you know, we talked a little bit about labor in the intro episode, and here already we see it coming into um, the spotlight. I also thought it was interesting that during their wedding reception, her body language seemed very into Clint. like she was actually very tilted toward him with sort of that open body posture. And he was not necessarily reciprocating that, at least not in that moment. Did you catch that? You know, I
0: actually was thinking kind of the opposite. But okay. So- Yeah, that's so interesting because I think that he thinks that she's a get, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's someone I would pick up at the bar or be like, yeah, I messed around with this woman who owns her own business, but it's not someone he would actually want to take home. Right. And with her, I think to me, she was really portraying the type of person, maybe you can relate to this, or you have friends that can relate to this, which is being very successful professionally and really good at what you do in your circle. But you have to tame and put down kind of who you are. So not to threaten or scare away the man. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I saw her like, even her voice is like a little higher when she's asking questions. She's laughing at his jokes, which are just like categorically not funny. And even, like, to the point where she announces, like, oh, I told them I couldn't be with someone who's funny. I'm like, but, sweetie, that wasn't funny, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's just a cornball. Like, you, you can't cage. He said, what did he say about himself? You can't cage the tiger. And I think that's what he's probably, <laughs> I know, like, yuck. And I bet he's going to say that about everything. Like, he's definitely the guy's. like, well, this is just how I am. I'm 40. You know, what do you expect me to do? I'm 40. It's gotten
1: me this far. You're my wife. I'm 40. It's like, I... Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I mean, one of the questions that I have is they always have to then move in together. So this is gonna be coming up on future episodes. I wonder if they are going to be able to move into an apartment in their building or (laughs) do they always put them, do they always put all the couples in the same place? I'm not sure about this behind the scenes, but it seems to me that it would be fascinating if they let them merge or just get that neutral space in their building since they already have this like building commonality and community. I don't know. That's just something I'll be curious to see um, how it develops.
0: Yeah. At this point, I think they have a, a promotion deal with 505 or 515. And like, cause they keep mentioning it, even though I can't remember the name and I'm like, they probably all will move into that building. No, absolutely. <laughs> what did you think about their wedding? Like, I mean, we kind of talked like, you know, I'm not, we're definitely not talking about women's bodies on this podcast or what people look like, but we're talking about things that are choices. Like I will be talking about dresses. What do you think about the aesthetic here as, as unique as they can be? Cause they're all getting married in the same venue, which is a yeah. generic hotel, the Conrad hotel um, in Nashville. What did you think about their
1: wedding? I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty, Um, you know, I, probably more than Gina's dress was interested in Clint's suit. Um, I just found that whole dialogue to be really, really interesting with his groomsmen and um, or his friends, and they're talking about Right, this sort of like classic, you know, dark color suit is not him. And again, it's just kind of posturing him as being, I'm different, right? Like, you know, he's laid back, he has this kind of longer hair, and he wears this light colored suit to, you know, seemingly tone down some of the formality, right? Like, he's this outdoorsy guy. But again, I'm just not sure that that projection lines up with the realities of his class positionality and some of the pressures and um, expectations from the people surrounding him.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, like, um, I just wrote down, he has all of these corny one-liners. I'm like, I have to write this down. He said when he said, I have, I only have one gear and it's full throttle. Oh my, yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, I like, glazed over that part. We have one gear, like okay, sweetie. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think um, you know something that you should know about me, everyone, is that you know I'm really interested in like the social lives of these shows. So I'm on Reddit, I'm on social media, and something the um, officiant for these weddings was answering questions on Reddit. And she was talking about how like it's important to remember that a lot of the groomsmen that she was working with, they were standing up there for over an hour, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I'm like watching how exhausted are these random weird things that they're all saying, I'm like, I'm giving them grace. They're obviously exhausted. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think also the wedding just in general was, it wasn't the typical wedding that we see, like we'll see in other couples where, you know. Um, Oh, my dad isn't here because he doesn't agree with it, or my mom's not here. They're both really, like, well-supported. And again, like you said, like, the class significations were definitely present on his side. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was a generic wedding, like, in general. You know, like, I don't, like we said, y'all, like, we don't really have much to say about the weddings. They're all pretty uniform.
1: Yeah, nothing, nothing particularly stood out. I mean, I think they were both happy, um, you know, with that first look moment. They both seemed into it. Maybe there was some chemistry there. Um, I think maybe also her nose ring, which I'm also a nose ring wearing woman, you know, signified this sort of fun, spontaneous side to Clint. So I think maybe he was into um into that. I mean, I think that they like each other. One of the things we're going to be doing on this podcast is predictions. So based on what we've seen so far, which is really just up until their wedding reception, um, Dr. Molly, what would you have to say? Do you think they're going to last or are they going to get the divorce? Also, sidebar really fast. the, The divorce isn't really a divorce, right? It's an annulment. Um, yeah, well, it depends what state you're in.
0: Okay. And I will have to look into Tennessee law. Like if this were in Cali, then yeah, it would be an annulment. So that's a really great point. Um if I had to give it a grade, even though we don't believe in grades, decolon- decolonize the academy. Um <laughs> I would say right now I'm giving them an incomplete because I think it's there, the editing is setting up a lot of tension. But it they is. do give me those, they give me Mitch and Kristen vibes from the San Diego season where they're like, hmm, I don't know, like maybe a D-Day. They're like, well, we're going to try it for another two weeks and then break up. Um, but regardless, I think that it's going to be a tumultuous season for them. What about you?
1: You know, I i would probably give them, it's hard to give anybody an A, but I would probably give them a. B, not a B plus, not a B minus, because at least right now, it seems like they're happy. We did get some, you know, previews for coming episodes, it seems like there might be some tension around, you know, body shaming, um, or inappropriate comments made by him about her or other women's bodies, not quite sure. But I would say I'm going to give them a B because I am hopeful my official vote is for yes, that they're going to work out. The main reason for that is I think their age. Um, You know, it seems like there's a lot of pressure at least from him Um, and I think probably you know on her as well like from society to settle down refocus on building a family and you also have to think like if you're doing married at first sight you feel like you're kind of out of options so um, (laughs) you know for the age reason I think they might stick it out even if they end up not actually liking each other that much
0: Hmm. Okay. So on that note, I think we need to move to, let's go to, um, Shaquille and Kirsten. Okay.
1: Um, Kirsten. Not Kirsten. Kirsten.
0: Yuck. Yuck. Uh, <laughs> like, as if that's like the most unique name that's ever been heard. Um, I'm already, I am just going to say that, like, I think Shaq is like a really sweet person. And I feel like his little baby heart is just going to be trampled on and stomped on this entire season. Right. Because, okay. So what, uh, Dr. Roe, what is Shaquille's tagline? Did you notice what his tagline was?
1: Okay. He is the devout workaholic and she is Ms. MS period. Great expectations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I also really like Shaquille. Um, He is my current favorite character. Maybe it's because he works in higher ed. So I feel like we understand each other, even though we've never met. Isn't that the point of reality TV? I also feel for him. He's going through a doctoral program. Um, I like him. I like him. He seems really nice. He seems really genuine relatability level is there with him for me. Um, Again, I think because of that higher ed connection. And then, yeah, Kirsten, (laughs) I'm not sure if she shares my sentiment toward Shaquille. I know. And, you know,
0: it's hard because I think about myself going through this experience, as they call it, this experience, an experiment, not a TV show, right, not a spectacle, but I think about these things and I don't know, like you said, if you're on the show, you're out of options, right? So if I were out of options or perceived myself to be out of options, my expectations for someone's physical embodiment would be so far out the window. Mm -hmm. So do I think attraction is essential? Absolutely. Right. I have been in relationships with people I'm not attracted to. It's, it's hell. Okay. But when I walk down the aisle and then I'm like, I'm giving someone, making them give me a kiss on the cheek because I saw they had a bald head, question mark. Like, I just, it, it comes off and it's, the last thing I'll say about that is that as someone who wants to present herself as pious, virtuous, traditional, it didn't seem very forthcoming loving, and accepting.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this. I really want to talk about the word virtuous Mm. that came up multiple times. It, I don't know, my gut reaction to that word is that it just kind of sends shivers down my spine. I mean, I- you know absolutely respect everyone's right to their own spiritual beliefs um and we do have the sense that they are you know practicing christians um but this idea of virtue and women um you know i think it really doesn't have a lot to do with religion actually it has everything to do with patriarchy and expectations upon women in this new capacity as a wife, right, as someone who was wed to a man and assumes a very particular role um, and is judged as either being good and capable in that capacity through their virtue or lacking and undeserving um, and transgressive because of their lack of virtue. Yeah. I mean, the comments that she made about his physical appearance to me also, you know, really um, seemed to not make a whole lot of sense, especially because she said she really just wanted someone with a low haircut. So we're literally talking about centimeters or fractions of centimeters, right? Probably a pair that were a make it or break it for her, even though he also had a beard, which was one of her criteria. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, and I want to talk about the kiss too. I have a lot to say about this, but what were your initial reactions?
0: You know, I think you bring up a really great point about this idea of virtuousness or virtuosity. I don't know. Help the professor out. We don't know what we're saying half the time. Um, You know, one thing that stuck out to me, though, is when she said, Something to the effect of she wanted her husband to come home and her job was to like rub his feet when he comes home. Right. And that obviously was hella icky to me Um, on a partnership level. Again, like we're presuming where her statement presumes that they are equals and she's rubbing feet. But I'm like the type of patriarchy that you subscribe to, sis, does not mean that you are an equal. Which means you are at home all day, and when he comes home from working, he deserves that foot rub rather than you. And it was just, ugh, it was just a little bit icky. And so I'm surprised that I like him so much already because he clearly also had those criteria, right? Like you said, they're seemingly rooted in like Christianity. Like you know, me and my wife are a sp- our spiritual team. We both honor God first, and then we honor each other. But I didn't think that, like, I don't think those things are going to, or their, um, I should say, their their t- translation of those types of scriptures are not going to translate the way that they should. She has an, an emotional immaturity. And I p- p- picked up on this is that, you know, I think that he is going to be overeducated for her, not just necessarily in an institutional sense, but in an emotional sense, right? Because it's, it's exactly what you're saying about consent. It's, she just kept saying well, I'm not kissing him because he didn't ask. But sweetie, you also need to tell him after a while that especially in the, we're getting these interviews, several interviews after her, she keeps saying, I wish he would have just asked, you know, when they were doing the toasts um, and people are clinking their glasses. Well, you know, if he would have asked, if he would have asked. He cannot read your mind. And again, to me, that undergirds like this is also patriarchal thinking. The man leads the relationship, he sets the tempo and the tenor and the pace for the relationship. And it's like, that's just not how it is. And then you can't get mad at that man because he doesn't know that.
1: And then I think the other really interesting thing is like, if we step back and think about weddings at all, the officiant gives the husband permission, you know, he says, you or she, you know, I don't remember who was the officiant in this case, but they say you may now kiss your bride. Right. So there's definitely this language around um, ownership and a right to her body that mm-hmm. this third party is actually making the consent decision. And I want to be really clear that Kirsten has every right to not kiss him for whatever reason she wants. Like that is not the question that's not up for debate, she does not need to kiss this man. Um, but what I'm concerned about is, you know, it just seems like she's using the language of consent, you know, and about him asking for consent as a way to cover up and deflect from the fact that she didn't want to and I think she should have just said I don't consent to this because I don't want to kiss you for whatever reason that is and not I didn't kiss you because you didn't ask consent just because that's not in alignment with what she said earlier about the cheek being a signal. You're totally right and we're in a ride for
0: a ride y'all because I think that's what is about to be this entire season is
1: Shaq didn't do
0: this. Shaquille didn't do this. Why didn't he know to do this? You would think that he's at this age. Why didn't he do this? And the whole time she's the victim and she's never saying anything, right? She's never staying up for herself. And
1: and then, I I mean, I just have to get this out, right? And then he again returned to this idea that she didn't kiss him because she's virtuous. Yeah, you know, and he was like, oh, now I see what kind of woman this is. You know, she's a virtuous woman. She's not going to kiss a stranger, even though she's going to marry a stranger. So I don't know. I This is the disconnect, right? That happens with reality TV. I like Shaq. Shaquille is my favorite thus far. But there's a lot of ick when we put those critical lenses on.
0: Right. And I'm just going to go deep, deep in the dark, petty anals of this podcast. And I'll do it because Dr. Rule is a woman of class. But um, no, I mean, for someone who is so stuck up, I was like, sweetie, fire the hairdresser. Let's change that up. And the dress was blinding white. Um, and I'm going to have that critique with Dominique's dress, too, by the way, that we don't do bleach. We don't do bleach white dresses anymore. We just don't do them anymore. Um and again, I know that it's hard because I, I'm sure they have like one vendor to choose from for every single thing for their wedding. But I, I'm like, we need to cancel. We need to petition to cancel the sponsorship with David's Bridal for these shows. Because <laughs> 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 I cannot take these ill-fitting dresses
1: anymore. So that's just my aside. Kirsten, Kirsten, final thing I have to say about Kirsten and Shaquille Um I was holding my breath nervous that Kirsten's mom wasn't going to show up. You know, I was concerned. I was like about her mom's safety. Like, I wonder if there's a backstory that we're going to get, you know, if her mom, you know, is unreliable um, in one way or another. In any case, it seemed like her phone was disconnected. So, you know, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but also that her dad chose not to be there because he didn't want to take a COVID test. Now, this was interesting to me because I obviously have heard many people say that they're going to opt out of activities because they don't want to get vaccinated, but I've personally never heard anybody opt out because they didn't want to get a test. Um, have you ever heard of that? You know,
0: I, I haven't heard about that specifically, but I do know people who are weary of any like they're so for whatever reason don't want to participate in anyone knowing any health information about them ever again. Yeah, and it's like, like you said, it's like on a very conceptual level. Of course, I understand, but I was I was just curious. I was like, what are they saying when they're having her say this? Usually, I just be like, my dad decided not to come. Um, I'm curious I'm just you know, I'm curious about why the producers would edge or egg her on to to specifically articulate that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just kind of left me wondering, you know, was a, like, is her dad a really hardline? you know, pandemic denier, right? Is, is that part of it a, like so much so that you're not even going to take a test, which could inform how we get to know her and the family dynamics that come out, or b is this just being used as an excuse and perhaps he doesn't support her decision to get married at first sight and wanted to give, you know, a different reason than i just flat out don't support you or right i mean perhaps this is somebody that just doesn't want to engage with the medical system at all um i think especially in you know communities of color black communities um we don't know him but i'm assuming that he's black um <laughs> you know, th- there's a long history of medical abuse. So that's, that's also a valid, you know, possibility, even though I was sad to not see him there.
0: Yeah, you know, but I'm just going to go ahead and ring the bell and say that it's option B, that um, I'm going to introduce a term, emotional passivity. I think her dad gave us, what is it sounding like, everybody? He gave us a reason for something, but there was a real different reason. The real reason was something he didn't want to say. That sounds exactly what we're about to see from Kirsten all season. Yeah, so, so what I
1: didn't know was that this was a multiple choice quiz, <laughs> and Dr. Molly chose B. And it was the right answer, by the way. <laughs> okay, so let's do the prediction. So, okay. Kiel, Kirsten, what is your take?
0: I think they're going to stay together at D-Day because she doesn't want on public t- or on national TV to see that she's a divorced woman. Um, she doesn't want her church to see that, but I think she's gonna dump him before they even get in the car.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm gonna give them a C. I I truly don't know. Maybe an I an incomplete would be more appropriate here. Um I really don't I don't have a read. I want good things for particularly Shaquille as my show favorite of the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The jury's out for me. Let oh us God. know what you think. Let us know what you think on our social media and come to office hours or join the seminar tier so that we know what your feedback is.
0: Yeah. And y'all, please stay to the, the rubric that Dr. Rule set forth. I did not stay to the rubric. I just yelled out they're not staying together decision day. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to a letter grade. Um, but <laughs> I think this is a great time for us to break. Um, we'll be right back. We're going to move next to our normie couple of the season. Um, Chris and Nicole. yes we are we're back everybody okay so starting um i'm excitedly cheering for the what's about to be the most boring couple
1: um here your first normie couple of the season chris and nicole
0: yeah you know and i think they're trying to already frame you know nicole as this very garrulous that's that's your sat word for just talkative woman <laughs> But, and, and, and Chris is like, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride type of, you know, best friend and really sweet guy. But I don't think we're going to see any real drama from them. Any drama, I think is going to be pretty manufactured.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, go (laughs) ahead. I have to say, you know, the first three episodes are always a little slim anyways, because it's just the setup. The couples are getting to meet each other for the first time. They have that anticipatory anxiety about what is it going to be like to get married and actually walk down the aisle. They pick out their clothes, they tell their friends, but they really haven't had a whole lot of interaction with one another. And so my notes about Chris and Nicole are pretty slim and basically exactly what you said you know there's this sort of opposites attract philosophy um playing out with dr pepper and pastor cal's decision to put them together um yeah like slim notes about them not a whole lot to interpret
0: um yeah i mean she's a transplant from new york
1: I didn't even hear where Chris was from. <laughs> so- Chris, okay, here's some information about Chris. Chris okay, is ahead. 36. He's the nice guy. Um, Mr. Nice Guy. Again, like, let's think about the politics here, right? Why do, you know, these men get just Mr. Whereas the other character, you know, Kirsten, Ms. Great Expectations gets this very sort of like overdetermined, you know, MS period. She can't be Mrs., but she's also not Miss, you know, um, nebulous zone. So, okay, Chris, 36, Mr. Nice Guy. And then we have Nicole, age 32 and she is serving the sass apparently. <laughs> I mean know. like okay, I'm just going to say it like kind of like boring out the gate. Yeah, no.
0: I mean I don't there's really nothing to say. Um I think that I, I'll just go there already. I think the makeup artist did her dirty did, did her dirty, little heavy on the eyelashes and the eyebrows. But, you know, I think that she was putting her best foot forward and I liked the, I liked how genuine their wedding was, right? So what we saw, and sometimes it's boring. That's the thing about reality TV. What we saw was chemistry. And it's just, that's all it was. It was chemistry. They're off to a great start. Very happy for them. But like I said, I don't think we're in for any type of ride with them. If anything, you know, her, she might be a little sassy. And I think we have some clips of him crying. Um. But other than that, there's nothing to say. I mean, he gets the talking to from her dad, um, but there's they couldn't even, even their little music that they try to drum up didn't even intensify anything for me.
1: No. Um, right. I mean, you know, she's like leaning into this FBI identity, full-blood Italian. Um, and <laughs> I mean, that was kind of interesting to me. I will say... You know, I was I was geared up for a little bit more drama when they were doing the backstories and just really introducing the characters for the first time. They, you know, just provided some photos. And there was one photo of Nicole where she appeared to be maybe at a nightclub um, or something. It was taken from a very high angle. So super like millennial. Obviously, this photo is at least 10 years old, but she appeared very, very dark. Hmm. Um, pause like of pause like is there going to be you know something interesting to say here about you know race um you know but ultimately i don't i don't really think that that materialized but it did give me pause i mean i i stopped it and i rewinded to make sure that i saw it clearly but um i you know i think she was just perhaps really tan that's in that. interesting i did not pick up on that i mean she i think it's a level of which like there's nothing going on like that that was my (laughs) that was my like most interesting part was this three second photo flash that they provided
0: yeah she's giving kind of like snooky vibes a little bit um that's very dated reference but other than that yeah i don't we can go on to the next couple there's really or no we have predictions for them
1: so my prediction is no i'm gonna say no um Yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to say no. (laughs) I think that they like each other. Maybe my no is just a reflection of my boredom already. Like, I just don't want anymore, So I'm going to say no. Or I'm hoping subconsciously that there's more drama and that they will have this really fiery breakup. Therefore, I'm giving them a no. But no, I have no and I'm sticking to it.
0: I really wish a student of mine would just open up an essay test and just write no. <laughs> Some of their answers. Um, they do it with their body language. But um. I think that for me, I'm going to go ahead and give them the only A I'm ever giving out this semester because I'm giving them an A because they're not my cup of tea and I don't want to watch them. But are they going to be together? I think they are. Like, I, I think that they're just going to be together. I think that they're going to come in with a whimper and they're going to leave with a sigh. I don't
1: think we're going to see anything this season from them. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think. Again, we are on opposite sides here. So let us know, would you give them an A? Is this like an A for effort? Um, (laughs) I refuse to clarify. (laughs) But you know, like, what's going on here? Or are you thinking this is going to be an F, a fiery, you know, flailing failure? Again, maybe that's what I'm hoping for, um, but let us know what you think. Yeah. This um, is just to say that sometimes there are no right answers. We're just doing critical thinking, and yeah. even professors can differ in their analysis of their subject material. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what,
0: you know, Our are <laughs> rivalries, and that's why we all have like three friends, because um, <laughs> we all have opinions about things that no one else cares about um let's move on to a juicy couple eris and jasmine are yes. black beauty queen and then um you'll have to give me the tagline for eris because right now in my head i just remember him as fuck boy
1: oh my okay so eris's tagline is reformed and ready for love <laughs> <Yikes>. loaded Okay. <again. laughs> um and jasmine's is equally loaded she's the queen without a king Yikes. Hey, why, why, why? He's 39. She's 32. Um, she is a cheerleading coach and a dog breeder. <laughs> and dogs have come into full scope um, of their relationship issues already before mm-hmm. they even left their wedding venue. Whereas, you know, again, with going back to Chris and Nicole real fast, you know, I think they're just going to like merge their dog loving lives Even though I give them an F, (laughs) you know, I don't know. The dogs are going to be a source of tension for Eris and Jasmine.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, just as an aside about the dogs, I think in the last few seasons, Married at First Sight has been playing with pets as a proxy for children. Because in other countries for the Married at First Sight season, some people do have kids. And that creates its own type of drama. And I think that they've been using these pets as a foil for creating drama. Um, And honestly, B-roll, like last season, we had to watch like Kristen's dog humping a pillow or something like that for B-roll. But no, I mean, so like what we know about these people is we know this thing, these things that keep coming up, these threads, Jasmine, you know, Oh, I have lots of dogs. I hope he's okay with having four dogs. And then the thing about Iris, like, i mean we could have a whole podcast on the terminology of reformed but you know these things he's saying in the last few years i've really been working on myself on my communication quote. i've read a few books over the years
1: love to hear it love
0: to hear we it love to hear it we love to hear him moving at that clip and then we have, you know, the, again, this B-roll of him like meditating on a map. So they're trying to give us this image of him as a former fuck boy. And now he's ready for something, although he has not actually demonstrated that he's ready besides the fact that he is here. So unfortunately, I think Jasmine's about to bear the brunt of everything and everything he has not worked on
1: so okay so let's talk about the elephant in the room which is his friend um I did not catch her name but she has been there her cousin. I
0: think it's his cousin
1: is it his cousin is it, are you talking about okay sorry I'll let you go on I thought they were just friends the one that like, don't do it yeah the woman that's like don't do it that's yeah I think it's his cousin okay that changes my analysis a bit
0: oh because you not <laughs> Okay, but I'm going to get really weird here and say that whatever you're picking up on, I think that I see that in them. Are you saying that you pick up on like a mutual attraction or her telling him not to do it because she was in love with him?
1: Wait, can we can we look this up? Okay, so we're back. We had to pause and Google who this woman is. This is, in fact, Eris's cousin. Um, So this, you know, changes my read. I thought that she was a friend. I thought that she was actually being kind of obviously jealous um, that he was marrying another woman. But if this is his cousin, at least we're going to assume that this is not a love interest related concern. Nevertheless, she is very vocal and very present in his life. And I think you know, I mean, I hate to say it because I hate to see these things happen in relationships, but I think she might give Jasmine, you know, a a really hard time.
0: I think you're right. And I think, you know, the way that they drag, they're going to drag on these next two episodes when they meet the parents and meet the family. I think this is definitely that relative that they cast so that she can grill Jasmine and spill all of the tea about all his failed relationships and the other things that he's intimated in private, like, oh, last time he slept with someone was only two weeks ago and things like that. Um, I think that's about, I think that she must be the cousin that he always calls when something goes wrong or he has a failed relationship and she's just taking all that knowledge and she's like, yeah, this ain't it.
1: she's the the one that picks up the pieces and is just anticipating um that the same thing is going to happen in their relationship um again i think like clint age is a factor here so eris is the second to the oldest he's 39 um I think that another interesting thing that his cousin says that gives us a little bit of insight into perhaps the production of the show and just how exactly this all goes down is that before he enters their wedding ceremony space uh, and she's trying to discourage him from doing it, trying to talk him out of it. She does say something, though, along the lines of, you know, you need to love and stand by this black woman who you are about to marry and that's interesting because at this point they have not had their first look and so it raises the question for me as a viewer you know how did she know this right was you know race a non-negotiable for Eris um was it the same for um Jasmine you know I, I don't know but I just thought that that was interesting and um you know an important sentiment, but it just gave us, it broke that that wall, right? Between the production and the viewership for me a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I think that maybe that is a point of consciousness. She's been trying to appeal with him maybe in his other relationships. Like, you know, if you're someone who, I can tell you right now, like I've seen on Instagram, I'm sure his Instagram is just full of like black king rhetoric, tappery. you know, a black king needs a queen type of stuff and I can tell you that she probably appeals to that sense well you know if you respect and love black women so much how come you're doing these things to black women and so it's clear she's trying that again and wants him to appeal to something and again this goes back to kind of patriarchal and this extends to the virtuous thing you were talking about Dr rule is This idea that, you know, oh, well, I'm 39, so I should just have my shit together on paper. But you know what? It's not really me. It's a them thing. Once I meet the right woman and the perfect woman and a virtuous woman or the woman who has her shit together, she'll require that from me and it'll just materialize. Right. And so it sounds that type of thinking makes it sound like the man is just, oh, you know, I'm nothing without a woman, which at first blush seems uplifting of women, but it's very condescending because it says that all the women I've been with have just been girls or classless or there's other things wrong with them. But really it's, I'm like, you just don't like women. Like this is a classic. You hate women.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's so true. And it's such a good point. I mean, another thing that I was talking about with um, another co-viewer of uh, Married at First Sight is it's interesting to me that with somebody like Eris, who has said that he was being sexually active basically right up until the point when he got the news that he was going to be married and be on the show, um, it, it just raised the question for me, like, if these men are finding women to... Be sexual with and have sexual relationships with what is happening in the disconnect world where they also think that they need to marry a stranger mm-hmm. you know like why are none of these women qualified for having a relationship and obviously there's there is a difference between romance and love and sexuality but him and Clint both seem to have no issue you know Meeting women, picking women up, maintaining intimate relationships with them. But I think what you're saying about marriage having this mythology of, you know, whoever the wife is being this sort of magical creature that's going to transform the man into his untapped real potential is exactly what's at play and exactly why These men, again, are, you know, in relationships with women, maybe not committed monogamous relationships, but, you know, they're meeting people, they're mingling, and nevertheless, all the people that they're finding, they don't want to have a committed relationship with. So, yeah, Yeah. it it just absolutely made me think of that.
0: Yeah, and we're about to see an entire season of him self-sabotaging and sabotaging this relationship because he knows he's not ready and qualified for marriage and probably low-key polyamorous, but he doesn't understand it. And he doesn't iterate. He doesn't think it's that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shifting gears. I know that I have been quiet thus far on the fashion choices that have happened, but I must say that Jasmine's mother for me, stole the fashion show at the wedding. Correct. with Pink tool puff dress Jasmine's mom was killing it I loved it
0: yeah no correct and Jasmine for me had the best dress Um, and I like she just but again she's a beauty queen like I can tell she's comfortable in dresses like that I can tell she was comfortable being the center of attention and that was also something I picked up on with the first look and then when she met him at the altar he was visibly uncomfortable with the fact that she was taller than
1: him yes oh yes that was like the first thing he said, basically. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. You know, how is my height going to be a metaphor here? Yep. Uh, we will see. Also, yeah. final comment from me on fashion. Go ahead. Keel made his own bow tie. I
0: know. I, I just it's so heartfelt i know i just think we need as a podcast we need to send him just uh you know we were rooting for you we were rooting for you we just need to send him a note because i like i said i didn't keep up to get i just hope he gets a good couple jabs in there (laughs) metaphorically speaking of course but i hope he doesn't just sit back and take what he's about to get all season
1: um it it also was just so real for me like Dude, you are in higher education, you're working on the admin side, you're like in this doctoral program, and you are side hustling making bow ties. Like if that is not the realest, truest Mm -hmm. reflection of, you know, academic experience, I think almost all of us have something like that. Here we are making a podcast.
0: Exactly. And also, by the way, bringing his mentees with him to pick out his outfit because after you're a workaholic, you bring your coworkers, right, everybody? And my coworkers are my students. So I can definitely name one or two students. I'm like, will you go shopping with me? Like, you know what you're doing, sis. So I really love that. Yeah, he brought them like everything about him. Like, we can't even talk about Eris for five seconds without just bringing.
1: <laughs> oh, and again, I think that's what's going to happen. No notes, basically, for Chris and Nicole. I think that Shaquille and, um, Oh shoot, Kirsten, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think they're gonna be perhaps the most entertaining to watch. Um, but what is your prediction for Jasmine and Eris? Oh honey, I
0: um, lower than an F. You know when sometimes somebody gets like a thirty percent in the class. I'm like, that's what's about to happen. I don't even know if they're gonna make it to the honeymoon because we haven't also seen them in any clips for the future. So I think this might be a Chris and Alyssa
1: situation where we don't even get them. That's a very astute observation that I did not notice. I don't know, I I wanna give them a B actually. I think they seemed happy. Um, Again, like the issues might come out but it seemed to me like they had chemistry. They smiled, they laughed, they kissed, Mm -hmm. they prayed together. which can be very intimate, so I don't know. I'm gonna give them a B. But oh, again, wow. I think what we'll, what we're gonna do is we're gonna see how these predictions change over the course of the season. You let us know what you think. Who you know? Who's gonna last? Who's not? Who's right? Who's wrong? Are we like way off? Are we? Should we get an F for not? <laughs>
0: Let us know what you think. That's very generous. Yeah. Y'all better not give me an F.
1: Um, <laughs> this is not an opportunity <laughs> for student class evaluations. <laughs> Actually, it is. It's exactly. <laughs> that. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Doctor Roll speaks for herself and only
0: herself. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay, so let's um, let's go to our last couple, Dominique and McKinley yes so many things to say um I don't know is there a lot of things to say she's 25 and then we have a 34 year old McKinley um what are their taglines
1: for us okay let's see so Dominique is the old soul because she is the youngest on the season and McKinley is the introverted dreamer um like we said earlier, they are this season's only interracial couple and one of only a very small handful on the history of married at first sight. So, uh, you know, I think that race comes up very presently in their storyline already appropriately, but also because um, that is, you know, something that really makes them different from the other couples is, is having to navigate that.
0: Yeah, and I think I also want to start, you know, she, we're categorized, or she calls herself an old soul, right, because, so I know folks have a say in their taglines, because I know of season 12, Chris, when he did the blessed with dollar signs, there is no way the intern at Married at Forsyth did him that dirty. You know <laughs> that guy came up with that himself. So I'm like, if you're called, I'm I'm just curious, like, why would she call herself an old soul? Because nothing that she did on TV read to me as a highly mature person. And, but then I hear things like, oh, she is an only child. So I'm like, oh, honey, you were parentified, right? You were an only child and you are raised by your mother and your grandmother. So there's an absence of male figures, right? Or a father, right? That doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying anything about her completeness as a person, but I'm saying her being marked as a peer, of her mother and her grandmother or being one of the girls. I'm like, that, that's you being parentified, Sudy. That's not you be having an old soul and being um, mature because then we also see her immaturity come out to me in just how she was acting at the bachelorette party. Um, and just to be honest with you, how she talks about herself. I know I'm young, but right. All of these things. It's, if, if age doesn't matter, then why are we still talking about it?
1: Yeah, that definitely was my take on the situation too. I mean, I think it's definitely a title that she has given herself that I'm not sure others, including myself, would give her. Um, But I I think it also, again, plays into the idea that she's the youngest one on the season and um, there's about a decade spread between her and the oldest cast member, um, Clint, I think also what's interesting is, you know, when you when you say so many times over, right, like I am an old soul, like I'm ready to do this. I am prepared. Um, You know, you may underestimate me. You know, uh, I I just wonder what she has gone through and her own experiences that give her the reason or motivation to posture and position herself In such a way, and I think absolutely what you said about, um, you know, her parental situation and how that casts her role in her own family is really interesting. Also, I mean, I think this goes back to you know, societal expectations and characterizations of women of color, right? Having to sort of step up to the plate and not being allowed, um, you know, innocence or childhood or youthfulness. Obviously, she's not a child. um, But I'm just saying this is a characterization that is often thrust on women of color to be more mature, more responsible, um, you know, as, as a result of their positionality in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even when she's getting her makeup applied, which girl, we'll talk about that eyeshadow later, um her friend mentioned she's like, you know, you you are mature for your age and the first thing she says is you got your good job, right? And we have this idea that people whatever that means in Nashville terms, you know, whatever that means for folks Making a lot of money does not mean that you are a mature person. Or making a lot of money for your age group means nothing about your maturity. Yeah. And I think that we're also I can tell there's the immaturity there too, because all of the red flags about McKinley's situation, she doesn't pick up on them right away, right? So yeah, she's 25, but she's and he's called the dreamer. I don't think she, that's not gonna fly with her for very long at all. I don't think. Um yeah, yeah. but there's like you've mentioned, like, you know, there might be sword some sort of intimation about trauma right when she's talking to his mom about interracial relationships and I would say that's a very mature move is saying just directly to your white mother-in-law and your white sister-in-law look I've had issues being in the South being you know in types of relationships I want to make sure that's not going to be an issue who I am is not going to be an issue although I will say as a black woman that her she and her mother, Are clearly appealing to some sort of white American sensibilities. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, this was absolutely the most interesting part of this couple's storyline for me. Um, I had a big cringe when McKinley's mom responded to the topic of race coming up at all, even though it's staring everybody in the face and everybody is thinking it. Um, you know, to totally deflect mm-hmm. and about how marriage is hard for everybody. I mean, it was just so in line with. She may as well have said, "I don't see race." Are you? <laughs> I mean, she just may as well have said that. And I think what raises a red flag for me is when anybody becomes so uncomfortable with the specter of race being raised at all like if if that word makes you tighten up and uncomfortable first of all you should take some classes in critical race theory Um, (laughs) you should read works by Dr. Maldry and myself and a whole host of other really incredible women and feminists of color on this subject material but I, I mean I think it's important because this is a current that is very strong through this country where Conversations about race are not comfortable. They're not considered to be polite. And we see exactly that dynamic play out. Um, It's also so important to know that, you know, just because you're not using racial slurs or derogatory language um, or something of that effect doesn't mean that you don't carry out racist structures in your day-to-day life. And for me, that starts with the denial that mm-hmm. people have experiences based on their racial positionality in the world.
0: Exactly. And and part of his mother's response was also, well, I think you're absolutely lovely. As if racial characteristic has something to do with her character, right? right. And then to take it a step further, there's one, my issue with Dominique, again, is a Black woman, I never heard her say that she was Black. I don't know how she identifies.
1: Well, her mother said then to mckinley later right her mother and her grandmother said we're black and they said we're 100 black um but mm-hmm. they said earlier that i think mckinley's stepfather is white and so that was one of the reasons why they thought she might be compatible with a white spouse yikes <laughs>
0: Yikes. Okay. So this is all making sense now. Okay. This is all making sense. Yeah.
1: I'm not exactly sure of Dominique's biological father. Um, I don't know if I missed that or if that's not part of the show, but yeah. um, at least her mother and grandmother when speaking to McKinley identified as black.
0: Okay, because yeah, when she's talking to the mom, again, Dominique said, I want to bring all of me. So I'm like, is there part of you that they wouldn't accept? So I was curious that maybe she had her father was white or, yeah, I I mean, and then so again, back to maturity, it's clear, as you mentioned, Dr. Rule, right, race is something that we will always wrestle with, right, even though we write and think about these things, we too are human subjects. So we're thinking about these things all the time. But um, so I don't think that has anything to do with maybe her maturity per se, but there's definitely some self-exploration that needs to happen since she didn't identify herself. I don't I don't know if she even would knows where to place herself yet.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean that's that's a really interesting point. Um I did watch the uh, Hmm. after-party of Married at First Sight, which is sort of the post-episode breakdown and review. They bring cast members on. It's available um, streaming on Philo, at least, which is what I use. Philo, let me know if you want to sponsor our podcast. Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) so anyways in the after party the host brings up this question about this conversation um and and you know the fact that they're an interracial couple to mckinley who was there dominique was not there so she was not part of this conversation in the after party but He also really seemed to not give it a lot of airtime, not give a whole lot of thoughtfulness to his response. I mean, again, he denied that it would ever be a problem, Um, you know, and, and I think that that you know, makes sense. Like, what world is he going to say, you know, oh, actually, some of my family members are going to be totally disapproving because, you know, mm-hmm. of their racial ideology. Like, I, I don't think that that would come into that interview, even if it was the case. But again, a red, red flag for me is just the brevity with which it's discussed when really as critical race theorists. um, We know that race shapes, you know, so many parts of our lives and existence. It was also telling to me not to connect this with the race thing because I don't think that they, well, uh, you know, I have no reason to believe that he or his family knew that she was a woman of color. Um, But he did also reveal a piece of gossip, which is that his mom offered him $50,000 to not get married at first sight, which again, can signal a lot for us about his class positionality, socioeconomic background, and, you know, perhaps some concerns about what this means for their visibility as a family as a whole.
0: Oh my God, that is the piping hot tea I <laughs> needed. Wow, that is fascinating. Um, yeah, no, I mean, especially since the after party is hosted by Keisha Knight Poem. Um, is she still there? Or is she on a maternity leave? Because I know she's having a baby. I was it a black? Definitely. Okay, I because th- usually they have a black woman, and so I can imagine being asked those questions. Yes,
1: yeah, um, that that was her. I'm mad okay. so with names. I'm no, like, don't even, worry even, about even. it. These couples' names straight. Um, but yes, I think that was her.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. I'm so interested to see how this is going to play out. Um, if I, I'm just going to take us back down to the gutter. I, what in the 2003 was going on with that necklace and that eyeshadow and that dress? I, sis, like again, this is not her fault. This is, I completely, this is a highly produced spectacle. There are stylists on hand. So I am upset for her.
1: I'm upset for her. Yeah. Yeah. The old soul keeping it (laughs) two decades ago. That's okay. It's okay. Okay. Um, are you rooting for Dominique and McKinley? What's your prediction, Dr. Molly? I don't know if I'm rooting for anybody. Um, but (laughs) yeah. <laughs> do we think they will make it to the finish line or will they get dun, 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 divorced again I did not
0: see them Chris and Alyssa um changed the game Paige and Chris changed the game you do not have to even get to D-Day so I did not see them in um any of the clips for the future I don't think I don't think they're making it I think they might move in together but I think I'm gonna have to give them a C I think they're going to convince themselves that they tried and they're going to bow out or she'll like storm off and just never come back or something like that.
1: Yeah. um, You know, there was also that sort of teaser about episodes to come. And it seems like there's going to be some major drama. I don't know what, but there was, you know, language about somebody lied and somebody has been dishonest. And, you know, that this is something on Married at First Sight that we've never seen before coming from one of the wives. And it seemed to be Dominique. So Hmm. on this, I am also going to fail them. (laughs) It, it seemed like she had packed her things and moved out based on this brief trailer that I saw. So, that is going to inform my entire decision because we use our skills of observation and, <laughs> <laughs> and research. <laughs> research.
0: <Sure>. Um, <laughs> and overeducated tool set. So many tools, I don't know how to use any of them.
1: So, but to be honest, I don't know if I want them to work out either.
0: Yeah. And, Totally.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. So So. this is season 16. We're back for more of the same, the new old same drama. Um, I'm really excited for the season, though. I love A Good Married at First Sight. And then I also want to plug that next season, they're going to be in Denver. um, And I know they're filming that right now. So I, Dr. Molly, absolutely love spoilers. If you want to send us spoilers, I would love that. Dr. World does not want spoilers. and We're not going to spoil it for all of you all, but um, we, yeah, we'll be back next week with the newest episode of Married at First Sight. And then again, we're starting 90 Day Fiancé after the 29th, once that airs. please um, give us a review or give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. And please make sure to check out our tiers on Patreon and um, figure out the ways that you can or are willing to support us. We would love to have you in class. And where else can they find us, Dr. Rule?
1: They can find us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. It's going to be Reality 101, R-L-T-Y 101 with Dr. Molly and Dr. Rule. And please, again, join us next week. We're going to be tearing apart the episode where they go on their honeymoon. That's always so juicy. There's probably going to be tons of content and things to talk about. Um, I love it. And also, like you said, can't wait for 90 Day the Other Way new season to launch. We are of course going to be doing a deep dive there as well. So thank you for joining us. Give us a follow on social media and check us out with those tiers. We love to have you in class and this is officially class dismissed.